We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to episode 355 of the Barcelona Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Jen Hilton, and joining me from La Liga Lowdown is their Barcelona correspondent. It's Roman Dearcare. How's it going, Roman? Hey, Dan. Nice to have uh, be here in the show. And I mean, it's all going well. It's very hot here in Barcelona. And we're definitely very excited about the Champions League final, of course, in the women's football, which is coming up very shortly. So that's definitely a topic we'll want to talk about. Yeah, I don't think we're actually watching Champions League. At least I'm not watching the Champions League final. I mean, I might. I might check along, but I'm actually going to be on vacation that day. And my wife has said, hey, is Real Madrid playing the Champions League final? I don't think you actually need to get away from your vacation to watch that. So I'll find (laughs) find out what happened. But the Champions League final, as you said, that I will be watching is certainly the women's feminine taking on Lyon. So before that, though, Ramon, again, I want to welcome you to the show and say we have had Ruri Barlow from La Liga Lodan on a bunch and... Somehow it just it didn't work out, but I had never had the Barcelona correspondent, so you are particularly a fan of Barcelona. And for now, again, we're all going to be fans of the Femini, as uh, people who've been following this channel or and this a podcast for a while now know that the Barcelona podcast, you know, we've been with the, the women's team when they were getting second to Atletico Madrid a few seasons ago. And since that time, they've just exploded. And, you know, the reason also we start here is because before we talk about the men's team, this Women's Champions League final tomorrow is without hyperbole, Roman. It could be the biggest women's club football match in history. I'm not saying it's going to be the best, right? Like, I know that narratives mm-hmm. are written by games when they're finished, right? Results and the way things go tend to write the narratives. But heading into this Champions League final, there has been no greater narrative than there has been. It is basically, the, even though the Femini are the all-conquering side right now, they won the trouble last year, they cannot be defeated 30 for 30, perfect in their league having won now three straight times, yet they still represent the field against Lyon because Lyon has won five of the last six after crashing on the quarterfinals last season, and they have won seven Champions Leagues in the last 12 years. They have written Champions League women's football. It is Lyon and it is everybody else. Like Wolfsburg, yes, but it is everybody else. And I think truly for this final, Barcelona are on the precipice of saying, hey, everybody else can win that Champions League final. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you basically summed it up pretty well. I mean, Lyon has been the dominant side in Europe for 
long, long time. I mean, before, of course, Barcelona uh, now overtook them, we could say, in, in recent years. And maybe they had a little downfall, we could say, in this last recent years where Lyon weren't looking as good as they used to, but they've jumped back up to the top. And now it's going to be a super exciting game because it's Lyon trying to re reconquer uh, that trophy they really uh, love so much. And Barcelona trying to maintain, of course, uh, their domina domination, we could say, in, in the women's football. So it's definitely going to be a super exciting game, two super strong teams. And I mean, the hardest part, I think, for both sides is to actually maintain themselves at the top because when you're winning everything, it's really complicated to keep on going and winning and winning and winning. So, I mean, a lot of credit, especially to these girls from uh, Barca, you know, who managed to win every single game in, the, in their competition, their domestic competition, as you said. And now they're going to try and win the Champions League once again. And I think they, they definitely have the motivation for this game. I think that it's going to be there and it's going to be uh, super fun to watch. And we'll have to see if they manage to win how they'll manage to keep up with this level in, in future years. But at the moment, they have to focus on this final, which is just right, right around the corner. And it's definitely going to be one you can't miss out on if you want or if you enjoy following women's football. Yeah, I think even beyond women's football, I mean, the, just how far it's all come in such a short amount of time. As you mentioned, Lyon, they won their first title in 2007. That was the same year that the Femini were relegated from the first division of Spanish football, where... There was a, a moment when then club president, what was his name again? I think it was Juan Laporta, said, you know, basically had said, I don't know if we're going to be able to go forward with this. And they decided to keep on with the project. And then over the last few seasons now, they put more and more investments in it. They won their first title in 2012. So that was just 10 years ago. And so for the Femini to become what they have even now, even if they don't win this match, even if they lose 3-1 or 2-1 or they lose on penalties or whatever it is, I, I think this project is showing that it is sustainable in the way that Lyon's has been sustainable. And the general manager for the Femini, that being Markel Zubizarreta, uh, this quote is my favorite quote from, from him about what the Femini have done and what their path forward yeah. is. The club was not building a women's football project, but a professional football project in women's football to invest in the same way to build the same project, right? And that is the connection, the through line in which we talk about the Femini through the lens of FC Barcelona, where it's not just the men's team and then everybody else is under the same umbrella. No, when you look at the way that the infrastructure of this team has been built out with youth coaches, uh, accepting the first the first nine girls, I believe, to the uh, La Masia in the last year, the, the, the measures that are being taken where just like the first team, they're saying that, hey, you know, superstars are gonna come and go, but this team is built on the back of its academy. And I think that is what has made, for me, the same way I got into the, the first team. The, the fact that there are superstars. Barcelona is maybe the best city in the world. I mean, you live there, not me. So one of the best cities in the world. And so, of course, it's going to attract superstars, right? Lewandowski is like, hey, I think I want to sit on a beach in, in Barcelona instead of, <laughs> instead of going somewhere else and dealing with another Munich, Munich winter. And so for women's football, it's the same thing, where they, they come to Barcelona, they come to play. But this team was built on the back of the academy and will continue to be in moments of need built on the infrastructure that FC Barcelona as a whole project is built. And that's why I think this is sustainable for the women's team, regardless of what happens. And I also think the 90,000 people that filled the camp know on two occasions is also a, a good sign that this is, this is maybe not say just the beginning, but you know, this is a new era. And you know, this thing with Lyon that's happening again, they're the one team that they haven't conquered because they didn't have to conquer them last year. So Leon really is, you know, it feels like I haven't played video games in years, but it feels like that final boss, like the final challenge you have to overtake. You have to take the treasure from <laughs> from that, you know, from Bowser, if you're Mario yeah, yeah. or whoever it may be, you know. 
Definitely, definitely. I mean, it's going to be uh, winning that. I think it's just going to complete, not complete the project, we could say, but definitely take it to a really high level and say that they have achieved amazing things. And as you said, you know, um, it's kind of followed the foundations of what Barca is, uh, developing the youth system, working really hard on that. And it's surprising to see how both the, well, the, yeah, the uh, men's team, we could say, and the women's team have kind of gone down different paths in, in recent years, taking into account that uh, women's football was really improved with Bartomeu as president, whereas the, the men's football kind of went the other way, you know, and, and it's incredible how one is so professional, so well worked, uh, job has been done fantastically, and then you have the men's club where uh, the spending was horrifying and, and the economic problems have surfaced now all in one go, you know, so it's, it's just so surprising to see how things uh, diverge one way or another, take into account that it, it is the same club after all, you know. And it maybe m makes you think that the fact that um, the men's team can spend so much more money than the women's team, uh, maybe it doesn't make you work so much or figure out how you really properly want to spend that money to make it work. And in the end, we just have to give credit, you know, to, to the women's team, everyone behind the team, also the players, of course, because they're, they're fantastic. They're doing super well, and it's it's incredible, and it's I'm really proud, you know, as as a Barca fan to see how we're one of the best teams in the world. We're helping women's football, you know, to to take a step forward worldwide, and now we can fill up stadiums, as you mentioned twice. I was actually in the first one against Real Madrid in the Clásico. I went to the stadium, and and the crowd was just fantastic. I I honestly can tell you that I've never seen the same atmosphere in a men's game, honestly. It's true that I haven't been to maybe uh, some of the more important men's team games, but the crowd that day in that Real Madrid game uh, with Barca and the Camp Nou with the women's team was just phenomenal, honestly. People were uh, devoted from the first minute right until the end. And honestly, if they can keep up with this level and people can keep getting attracted to this uh, football, I mean, it's really going to go a long way, I'd say. Well, I think what makes it even more incredible for them is what we're saying, that the narratives in which we speak about this, of course, we always have to see it through the lens of what is the dominant force when we speak about football, and that is through the lens of men's football. And yet these women, particularly Alexei Puteas, winning the Ballon d'Or, and then on the other side for, I mean, the first Ballon d'Or in the women's game was won just three years ago by Ada Hedeberg, and she's going to be on the other side for Lyon. And these are players that are not only having to worry about their football, you know, like as much as we criticize Gerard Piquet for worrying more about tennis and, and deals in Saudi Arabia, like as much as we contend with him getting into other business, these women's players not only have to worry about their football on the field, but what they represent. They are pioneers of women's exactly. football. They are pioneers of the game. And so there is a responsibility greater than so much of what the men teams have to worry about because they really just have to worry about their own personal legacies and the legacies of their teams through the trophies that they win and these women it's the it, it's a matter of not only do we have to have you win the trophies but you have to win it in such a way that you're going to be remembered and pioneer this thing that is growing it, it's it feels like it's still again in its infancy for a team that was relegated just 15 years ago and and, and just professionalized by the way seven years ago so, you know, 2015 was the first year the Femini was professionalized. Mm -hmm. I can't say that enough. So last part about speaking about this final, I just want to quickly, Roman, break down what we might see. Because like, the other reason why this is such a monumental thing is they're usually, when we're watching the Femini, you're looking the other side and saying for Real Madrid, hey, they've got a few pieces. They're building it. There's two or three stars there. And Wolfsburg has three or four stars after Rolfo and, and uh, CGH were recruited to Barcelona. 
And yet you look at these two starting lineups and on the other side, it's just as strong for Lyon. And that's what's, I think, not to say terrifying, but that's why for the first time this season, you know, there are, I think, some real nerves. There, Jenny can look across, uh, Jenny Hermoso can look across and say the uh, 22-year-old American, Katarina Macario and Ada Hedgeberg, who I already mentioned, a former Ballon d'Or winner. You know, those are, they arguably are a better strike force than what Barcelona has. Yet they have, Mariona will likely be still returning from injury, but she'll likely start alongside Jenny and Graham Hansen, as you know, on the right side. And then I expect to see Alexia and Patri and Bonmati in the middle. And then and Rofo on the left, rather. And then you're obviously going to have Jenny somewhere uh, there again as the attacking midfielder. And then mm-hmm. Paredes and Torajon. And I think that, uh, and Panos I should mention out, but to me, I, yes, I know that Bonmati and Alexi Buteas, we've been talking about that for a while. Like those two are the ones that are going to be, if they're the best players in the game, if Barcelona control the midfield, this is theirs to lose. But Mappy Leon is the player, when looking at Leon, she's the one that I'm interested in watching because the way that Graham Hansen gets free on that right wing is through those diagonal switch play from Leon. And when Le- and uh, that being Mappy Leon. So when Mappy has time to get on the ball and, and switch to the other side, Barcelona are so much more dynamic. Again, it, for the midfield, it's just going to be a fight with uh, with Lindsay Haran, uh, Harana rather, and and uh, Henri and Egarola if, if she's healthy. But for the Barca midfield, yeah, they're going to have the hands full. And if Lyon can use her passing to open things up, as well as her defending, like Lyon's uh, Mappy's defending is not say here or there, but the reason why Irene Paredes was brought in from PSG, again, the team that conquered Lyon last year, that's another subplot here, that Paredes is the defender's defender, the one who's just tasked with, hey, can you shut down Hedeberg? But Macario, with her movement, if she can pop up, very much like Jenny does, she plays a number 10, if she can pop up in a really dangerous spot, it's going to be on Leon and Mappy to put out that, uh, Mappy Leon rather, to put out that that fire. So I, I, that's certainly where I'm looking as one of the key places in this game. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you think of great duos, who do you think of? Jordan and Pippen or LeBron and Dwayne Wade. I mean, I talk about basketball a lot here on this podcast, but for the Barcelona version, there's PK and Puyol or PK and Mascherano or the easy example of Xavi and Iniesta. And as you can hear from my voice, the perfect teammates aren't just professional athletes. It's cold season. I guess the flu and cold medicine, perfect teammates as well. But in this case, when it comes to growing your business, that's you and Shopify. Shopify is a global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout 
up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. To be honest, I've been doing this show long enough, and as I mentioned, it's cold and flu season. You hear it in my voice, especially during the holiday season. So whenever it comes to this business, anything that I can set up and kind of have working in the background that I know and can trust is just plugging along without my attention. Those are the things that I really value at this point. So when my brain is foggy and all I can do is manage to turn on the microphone, talk to the guest, or just talk to myself and get out a piece of content, everything else, having that all automated or working in the background, that's been important to keeping me sane. And that's the thing about something like Shopify. What I do love about Shopify is how no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. So no matter how big or small, how good of a month or how bad of a month, things are just the same working in the background. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is a global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs on every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's extensive help resources are there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tbpod, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash tbpod now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash tbpod. Yeah, I mean, you summed it up perfectly. It's, I, but in the end, I think it really comes down to Barca being able to, to, to play their football, you know, because mm. if they manage to have control, to have the possession, to, to build uh, from the back like they, like they like to, I mean, of course, uh, Leon are going to have their chances it's undoubtable because they have quality and they're also going to try and have the ball themselves but I mean Barcelona have for me some, one of the best midfields there is out there in women's football and as you said Bon Mati and Botellas are just two key players for Barca especially not, not just having the ball but going forward you know Barca has a lot of key players that can are capable of generating a lot in attack and even girls like Pina, who for me this season has really developed her football a lot. Yeah. She's looked fantastic. I think she could also be a very important player, whether she starts or not. But I mean, in, in, a, in the end, I think it comes down to being capable of, of showing their personality, you know, not, not feeling the pressure of Lyon, because it's true that they're going to want their vengeance from that 4-1 defeat a few years back in the Champions League, where Lyon were the dominant side back then. It was really hard uh, to beat them. But this time, you know, they have to forget about that. I think just focus on the game, focus on their football. And, you know, if they can dominate the game like they want to, I think we'll definitely have um, the chances that we always see from Barcelona as they are a very offensive side. And they'll just have to keep focused, avoid any setbacks at the back. Uh, with Mapilon, as you said, who's a fantastic player. She kind of reminds me of, of Puyol in a way because she's that dominant figure in that center of defense who can move the ball really well. And I really like her also, as you mentioned. So, I mean, in the end, I just hope that Barca are, are not too nervous. I think they've earned that category of, of, of being a reliable side who can play their own football without being too worried about uh, who they're facing. I mean, well, they have said that the change between 2019 and now was very much physical, but also very much mental, that they knew mm -hmm. at that moment that there's that yeah. there's a, the great story about them on the plane. On the plane, not only are they sad, but they're saying, hey, not only we, we're we we're more angry than sad, you know, we're motivated, <laughs> that they knew that they physically weren't up to it, that mentally they had to be tougher, and they have been nothing short of, my favorite word for them, is inevitable. They've been inevitable, they've been ruthless, and they've been unstoppable. And and it is what it's at what is that saying that you know when an immovable object meets an unstoppable force right that's that's basically what this is between Lyon and you know even their manager that being Lyon Sonia Bompastor I mean she's been around the block before as a player where she's won the Champions League before with Lyon she's a figurehead for them she's a club legend and she could be the first player slash manager to win the, the Champions League title on the other side 
Jonathan Grausla could beat his former manager, as in he was the assistant, in Luis Cortez, he could beat his record and become the youngest Champions League manager in, 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 in history. And I think that would be, I mean, I don't even think, but that would be men and women. I don't even need to look that up. He said it's, it's mid-30s. Like him and I are very similar age. So very much on the same page there. So yeah, so it is a final that we are all anticipating. Again, I, I think, as I said, it's arguably the biggest women's club football match in history. That's why we did a full 15 minutes on it. So uh, Roman, unfortunately, I have to disappoint you and we have to talk about the the men and some of that transfer stuff because no <laughs> offense to the Villarreal match. I don't want to spend too much time. Like, do we really need yeah. to preview that? Not really, because it doesn't yeah. matter to, to either side. You know, Villarreal is usually a fun match. I'll say it that way, right? Just like you have the Real Betis jersey behind you. Usually Villarreal is one of those teams that in the Liga that, as they say, like to play football, you know, want to play. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it yeah, yeah, absolutely. Some fun results. Yeah, I mean, I was going to say, sorry, that I'm a yeah. big fan also of, of Villarreal because I kind of felt like they're kind of similar to Barcelona in a way that they also like like to work uh, a lot their youth system, bring up players uh, like we've seen uh, the most recent example, Pau Torres, of course, he's become uh, an emblem for the team. And also, I always like the style of football they tend to play. It's obviously varied between managers, but they've always like tried to have, have the ball, tried to build up from the back. Different to Barcelona in a way, but of course, uh, that's why I've always like sympathized quite a lot with Villarreal. And as you said, it always tends to be a very exciting game going forward, getting goals from both sides. So I hope we can see something similar, even though Barca aren't really fighting for much. But we do know that Villarreal still have to clinch that uh, conference league position. Right, yeah. Villarreal does have something to play for. And as you mentioned, yeah, they do bring up a lot of young players. And they've supplemented their squad this season. We already saw Lochelso. And then, of course, it's always a return of, of Palka Aka there. And they have those teenagers, too. Like, the youngsters are also just continuing to shine for them this season. And if you please refresh my memory on the one that I'm thinking of in particular. Jeremy Pino? Uh, of Correct. Right. So, uh, yeah, as, as good as they can be, um, you know that Villarreal can always give a, a good match and a good fight. But we unfortunately are talking about the, as, as you mentioned, the Villarreal Academy, a former Real Madrid Academy product, and that is Marco Alonso, whose father played for Barcelona. And unfortunately, it's it's funny because I've done Lewandowski, we've done the Koulibaly <laughs> in recent shows, and both those shows, I said, oh, Marco Alonso, and I, I just brushed it off, and I said, I don't want to talk about it until it feels like it's real. Unfortunately, it really does feel real. But <laughs> being connected to him is, you know, I don't, I don't want to take the words out of your mouth here, but he does win a lot of aerial duels, progressive passing is good, shot-creating action, shots... You know, as much as I do want to reject the idea, he would be fine as Alba's backup. Totally fine as Alba's backup. He plays as a left midfielder in Tuchel's 3-4-2-1, but he can play. I don't know about him as the left center back in a back three, but, you know, again, he can be that left midfielder. He can also uh, play as a traditional left back as well. But I think why people are fighting against this, Roman, is that not only is there going to be a little bit of a price tag, but if Barca and Xavi are willing to pay that price tag, then it shows you, just like the De Young rumors, it's an indication of the club's monetary situation. And it's an indication of the kind of player that Barcelona will have available to them. And I think there's a disappointment that comes with that. Because he's a 31-year-old. Yeah, and he started mm-hmm. and played 65% of all matches and minutes for Chelsea this season. But there's something not only not very exciting about him, but very limited. And there is a ceiling on a player like that of that age. And you're saying, yeah. okay, we're admitting that the only options for us are free transfers, are guys who are in their 30s on who you know other clubs are not trying to spend big money on. 
Yeah, I mean, I was, I was honestly quite surprised by the fact that they wanted to, to go for Marcos Alonso. Because being 31 years old, as you said, I mean, he's, he's not really a replacement for long term uh, as, a, as a fallback in the left position where Jordi Alba is, you know, because, I mean, uh, he's almost Jordi Alba's age, we could even point out. He's definitely a decent replacement. He has enough quality, I think, to, to play in that position, especially going forward. I think he's a very interesting fullback, and that's something that Barca has always valued, you know, from their fullbacks, the capacity to go forward. Even though right now we do need a guy who can also defend a bit, because as we know, Barca's uh, defense as a whole, I don't think individually the players have been bad, but as a whole, there's been some structure problem, we could say, where they have been incapable of of, of working as, as a unit, as a, as a block, you know, and that's why we've been conceding so many goals in the past few seasons, I'd say, not just this season. Barca's defense has been struggling for a while now. And uh, the fact that they won Marcos Alonso also surprises me because they've already apparently um, agreed terms with the Christiansen. And also they say they're interested in Aspilicueta. And also apparently Rudiger is going to Madrid. So, I mean, is all the backline of Chelsea going to leave in one goal? It just kind of seems a bit too much, you know. So it's a bit surprising that that could happen, even though it, apparently it has been said that by Marcos Alonso that he does want to leave and he doesn't want to renew his contract. So, I mean, if the price tag is decent, as you said, I mean, then, okay, I can accept it. But if we're going to have to pay, I don't know, 25, 30 million or something like that, I just think it doesn't really make much sense. I would honestly look for a fullback that's a bit younger, that has, has a bit more projection for the future, that could really replace Jordi Alba in the long term. Because at the moment, Jordi Alba, I think, is still better fullback than... Uh, Marcos Alonso, in my opinion, he has had his ups and downs. Jordi Alba has been very criticized by the fan base, and I understand why at certain points he has been playing very poor football. But I still think he's 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 very good. I mean, he gives uh, over 10 assists per season, and he always generates a lot going forward, even though his defensive capacities are quite limited. So with Marcos Alonso, as I said, he's a decent replacement to have there on the bench. But, I mean... I was expecting more of a of a long-term uh, fullback for Barca. Yeah, and that's the disappointment, right? That you're just kicking the can mm. down the road on a really, really crucial position. Because when you yeah. looked at some of the worst results this season were the games when Alba either struggled or the fullback play just wasn't what it needed to be. And if your fullback level isn't what it needs to be in modern football, especially when you play that, not only that positional, but that possession-style game, your fullbacks have got mm-hmm. to be good enough. And when Barca's fullbacks aren't good enough, then they are not good enough. And that seems to be a direct correlation. And, you know, I always say the same thing with Alba. That you can criticize Alba, totally fair, especially defensively, obviously, and especially in big matches when the lights are brightest. That is when Alba has unfortunately faltered in the way that the team has faltered. And you could talk about the issues between the ears and things like that. But as far as the numbers go, as far as an overall season, you know, it's difficult when you're in a match and you're saying, hey, Alba did this wrong. And that's totally fair after a match to come away saying, because I think, you know, I do the YouTube reviews on YouTube and... I always try to judge over the course of the end of a season. I look back at who were my two cover athletes because usually it was the two most important players of those games. And Alba only makes the cover like, I think he usually makes it like twice for being the man of the match, usually when he scored a Galazzo. And then he yeah. makes it two or three other times with his hand, his head in his hands or something for a bad result that Barca got. Like that's usually where he comes up like two to three, four or five times a year. Half of them are, are good. But I always Classic say about... Alba. Right. But I always say about Alba, you know, Whenever he's replaced, whenever it's time to, to replace him, and not even replace, but whenever it's even time to find a backup, by the way, it was Digne, whether, just name him. Like, mm-hmm. there's a reason why no one can take his, it's not even about the, the club, they also uh, amigos. It's more that Alba is still one of the best left backs in the world. Like, he's aging out, he's getting older, 
We know what he can, can't do defensively, but I always say good luck replacing that guy. Good luck replacing what he does offensively over the course of a season. Because again, yeah, it's yeah, not yeah. about just one game. Because Alonzo might be a better player in one game, but he's going to be Alba's backup <laughs> because Alba is unequivocally just, I mean, even though Alonzo had five goals, six assists, 46 matches this season, he does his job. But again, Alba's just better. Alba's better than almost every other left back in the world. Yeah, and that happens, uh, I just not just in a fullback position on the left, but also on the right, in many positions with Busquets, uh, with the fact that Dani Alves had to come back at 38 years of age yeah. uh, because our fullbacks weren't performing at the level that was required. It's very difficult to succeed at Barcelona. That's something that um, I think fans have to understand and realize where we've had lots of quality players come through the club and have left th- that through the back door because they just weren't capable, whether it's mentally, physically, or in terms of quality, to, to reflect what Barca means. And we can look at uh, Arda Turan, we can look, look at Andre Gomez, Paco Alcácer. I mean, these are good players. These are not like trash guys who are really poor. They just weren't, weren't capable of, of replacing or performing at the level that others were, you know. So it's really difficult at Barcelona to find uh, key players. So when a guy like Pedri comes through, that's just something you have to really worship, or Gavi or Ansu Fati. These guys, you know... Um, of course, they still have to find their, their rhythm, you know, and sustain themselves. But at the moment, they're doing well in that sense, and hopefully they will. But of course, when you bring them from outside, not, not just from uh, the, the youth system like Pedri, which was maybe the, the more recent and, and incredible example, as he just came here and managed to find his his groove there in the, in the midfield. I mean, it's, it's really hard for players from outside to come and succeed. That's why I understand that some people, for example, were saying that it wasn't worth signing Haaland because imagine he comes... He's really good, but imagine he's just not the level you expect. And you've paid, I don't know, 120 million or whatever, you know. Uh, th- there's a risk factor, even though uh, you do expect a player like Haaland to be good anywhere. But there are other players which are maybe uh, not at the same top level as, as Haaland that, you know, come to Barcelona, hope to be good, and in the end are, are very poor. We've seen it also with Lenglet. We've seen it with so many players, you know. So it's, it's going to be interesting to, see, interesting to see, sorry, whether with uh, Kessier, with Christensen, who apparently both are signed, if they're going to be able to, to sustain uh, the level required at Barcelona or they're going to also fade into oblivion in a way, you know. So that's something uh, that people have to always keep in mind. It's very, very difficult to succeed at Barcelona. I don't think Barcelona's ever spent more than $100 million on a play that didn't work out, right? They've never done yeah. that. No, never. I can't think of a single <laughs> one that didn't work out in that way. Um, yeah, unfortunately. Right. That was, oh, I don't want to talk about that because it's so disappointing to see how we've Wasted our money, we could say, in recent years. Neymar at least left, leaving a good chunk of money, and then we just threw it in the trash. Yep, yep, that's, that's not, not breaking news here. So before we get to more other transfers in, potentially, I think part of the story that we have to keep reminding ourselves, I think as the podcast, I need to do my due diligence, that players have to leave. You know, that, that's always a little thing yeah. that you'll hear uh, Alemane or Laporta will slip in there at the end. Like, you know, I know you want to bring guys in, but guys have to leave. And it, I think we've heard some positive stuff this week about Umtiti maybe potentially, even though he took that big salary reduction mm-hmm. and the club does owe him a little bit of thank you after saying, after the frustration of him not leaving last summer on huge wages and then choosing uh, to lower his wages in January, where, you know, he also was a little incentivized today to that too. I think he does want to play football again. So this summer, I think he's apparently preparing himself to leave. We know that Langley is pretty much preparing to have communication as well. He would be the more suspect one. And then Martin Brothwaite, the, the same thing. But it does sound like some players will be on their way out, but it's how many. It's the sheer number and also what they're worth and what the market for those players is. Because again, the market is 
even a transfer fee is less than what their wages are. And again, those moves are more about getting their wages off the books than they are about securing some kind of transfer fee. Because any transfer fees that yeah. we're talking about are coming through the CVC deal or through any sale of 49% of Barca Studios, because that revenue will then allow Barcelona to, to, to make new signings with transfer money they do have available to them and keep it within financial fair play. So that's where the transfer fee yeah. matters. And it, it really is more about getting those wages off the books to reset your salary limit in the Liga. Yeah, absolutely. It's basically about that. So that would allow the club, of course, to bring better players. That's what uh, Laporta has as, as an objective, we could say. But let's not forget that it's not just those players that you mentioned. Also, we have lots that are coming back from loans and all that kind of stuff, you know, like Iñaki Peña, like Collado, like Pjanic. Griezmann apparently is going to stay at Atletico Madrid, uh, Trincao, you know. So, I mean, they also have to find solutions for these players, whether they're going to keep them, like Collado, who apparently... Uh, should be staying if, if Xavi likes him, who apparently does like him. Now, as you said, for for now, they've talked to Brathwaite, they've talked to Umtiti um, personally, Xavi has talked to them personally and said that he doesn't want him to continue. And they've also said that he's talked to Mingueza and even Ricky Puch face-to-face to tell them that uh, he wants them to find another club for next season, basically. So, I mean, there's a lot of work to be done in that sense because fans are very critical in the sense because they don't like a player being sold at a poor price, even though it's something that Barca has struggled historically. I mean, we've always, we haven't been good at selling players at good prices. And there's always been this, this little comparison with Real Madrid, where they usually sell their players at better prices, where Barca struggled to do that. But uh, I think that this season, at least, or these, la- or at least these last few seasons, it's more understandable, taking into account, as you said, that they need to get uh, wages of the bill. They need to look towards the fair play in that Liga and be able to uh, allow other transfers to come in because as a matter of fact as it is now I think that not even Kessie or Christensen could be signed they would need to get rid of of salaries so it's it's pretty it's pretty chaotic there's a lot of work to be done I mean credit to Matteo Alemán who already did a great job I think especially in the winter transfer market where uh, nobody thought anything interesting could come out of that and we got Aubameyang we got uh, Ferran Torres we got uh, Madama so I mean that was that was pretty impressive and Dani Alves so I mean uh, credit to him for that I'm sure that he'll come up with some of these uh, incredible uh, things he does, but it won't be easy because getting rid of so many players, because Barca has to get rid of, I wouldn't say a dozen, but I mean half a dozen or or more than half a dozen for sure. So it's going to be a lot of work to be done because if they really want to bring in Lewandowski, then I mean, they're going to have to look into that. Yeah, and all that business that needs to go out does make me a bit skeptical on, again, players that are getting linked, like the Koulibaly thing. The Napoli's president came out and said there's been no contact, nothing like that. And it's one of those points where I've asked people last week and the week before to say, if you can only have one or if you can only pick two of these three players and you have to kind of decide piece by piece, because again, Marco Alonso, you know, if Lewandowski is the big fish, if that's it, if that's the where you're spending your money, then that means there's no Koulibaly pretty much set in stone. That means that the left back position is going to have to be as cheap as possible. Marco Alonso, that means that free transfers of Kessier and Christensen, that's where you're keeping that. And then you even might lose, I mean, if Aspaqueta's on the way, then Des is gone, right? You can't have three guys to potentially play right back. And that's yeah. a choice that the club is making to take that 22 million or whatever they wind up getting or 25 million euros, whatever they wind up getting for Des, to take that and just use it on Aspaqueta and try to pocket some of the others, again, to get that not only wages down, uh, and it's crazy that Aspaqueta be so much lower than Des on wages, let's put it that way, but then also to get your not your wages down, but also to have your 
financial fair play be a little bit healthier because you're sending transfer fees out the other way. So really, that's just like a for the books in the same way that Artur and Pjanic would do, which again, yeah. doesn't sit well with me because whenever you take a 33 year old and bring him in and you get rid of a 21, 22 year old, like it just it doesn't sit well with me. But if that's what the club has to do for accounting purposes until they can truly do like a hard reset, which as Laporta said, it might it'll probably be next summer would be the time when they might have some money to spend. And then that's always the worrisome too thing about Barca that you said. What happens when Barca has too much money to spend? <laughs> but I'm sure they, they will have learned from their lesson, at least oh. in this uh, <laughs> recent period of time. Maybe in 10 years they'll forget and they'll start doing the same uh, shambles or mess they made. But hopefully, I think they're going to learn from their mistakes. I don't think we'll ever see it that bad. I don't think it'll ever be as bad as the Bartomeu ne- thing Never, was, never but... say never, Dan. Never say never. You never true. know. Maybe well, Bartomeu's cousin or Sandro say son come <laughs> oh, back no. someday and, <laughs> and mess it up all again. But hopefully Great. hopefully, we won't go through this again. Hopefully the club will, will get out of this because, I mean, we're still immersed in all this situation and we don't really know where it's going to go. But uh, there seems to be a certain optimism also that going forward with the the new stadium and the new Spy Barca and all that, which is also quite a positive because if they're capable of going off ahead without going forward with that, it means that they, they see that the club has a bright future in that sense. So that's, that's, that's good news. And of course, as you said, there's a lot of work to be done. I mean, the signings, because uh, it is a bit disappointing having to bring such veteran players. I mean, some, of course, I think are, are always good to have, you know, it's always good to have a compensation between experienced players and new talents. But it is surprising that it's Aspiligueta, it's Marcos Alonso, it's Lewandowski. It feels like we're only signing 30-plus players for next season. But, I mean, if the quality is there and if they can get good salaries, maybe contracts which aren't too long, and we can uh, quickly uh, renew this uh, squad maybe in the next couple of years, then, I mean, maybe it wouldn't be so bad if in the short term they give us, they give us uh, good performances and then we can... Uh, work from there on and, and build the club yeah, back well, to where it's uh, used to be. Yeah, it's a basketball idea. Like, if you bring those three players in and Barca wins yeah. La Liga, not even Champions League, but if they win the Liga next year from Real Madrid, yeah. whether Madrid gets Mbappe or not, you know, depending on when this podcast comes out, or I don't know, it may be another week before it decides, but uh, I'm glad I don't have to be a part of that saga. But the, like, if, if they're basically trading, I mean, if they trade Dest and the younger player, you know, we don't know about the young, but if they are basically trading the future or in two to three years time for one La Liga, you know, because I think Barca fans, you know, there was a point. Messi made Barca fans and Kool-Aids take La Liga's for granted, and now they won't. And I think you're once again reminded that Ligas matter. It's hard to win the Spanish title. There's a reason why Barcelona have finished second <laughs> more times than they've finished first. Uh, well, I don't think that's true. They finished second through fourth more time than they finished first, obviously, uh, in, in, in the Liga. So, you know, you're basically trading older players and bringing them in for that reason. Now, the last thing that we I want to hit real quick before we, we, we head out is I did have a YouTube video yesterday called The Next Great Brazilian. And this kind of was started, This the, the gears on this started because of Rafinha from Leeds United mm-hmm. and how you have all these Kool-Aids watching the Premier League f- f- final few weeks because if they're relegated, then the clause is lower, yada, yada, yada. And the idea that, you know, I also get thinking of, obviously about Coutinho because he's finally shipped off to uh, permanently to Aston Villa. That saga is over, we'll say, the saga with him at Barcelona. You know, there is truly something to Barcelona and Real Madrid always in the arms race for the next great Brazilian. Where when Barca got Neymar through you know, you know shady, shady or shadowy <laughs> methods through Sandra Rosal, 
you could tell that Florentino Perez said, I want the next one. You know, I'm going to get the next one, whether it's Vinny Jr., whether it's Rodrigo, whether it's Rainier, like they're, they've gone after the next quote unquote big Brazilian attacker. And usually it is attacker, like no offense to Danny Alves or any yeah. of those, but, and also so much of Barca's history. I mean, I have it behind me here that like their best moments have always come with the Brazilian in the squad. And that's the case for a lot of teams, right? Like Brazilians are, are, you know, they, they produce fantastic. That's a footballing country. Football is religion there. But the next name on everybody's lips is this Endrick of Palmeiras, a 15-year-old who it seems too young to speak about. But when you're talking about these Brazilian teenagers that are going for huge fees, you know, clubs have to take risks when these kids sign a professional, their first professional contracts, basically at 16 with their clubs. And then by the time they're 18, it's time to come to Europe. Then it's pretty much set in stone, you know, who they are. And so he already is signing a deal. He's 16 in July. So he's already setting a deal with Palmeiras till June of 2025 with a 16 million euro release clause. And, you know, it just brings up this idea where Barcelona have unwisely spent their money. But the Brazilian market is an interesting one because Brazilians and English players are both over, not even overvalued, but they're <laughs> English players are overvalued by their own system and the Premier League money. But Brazilians are always, especially at that age, those teenagers, you have to take a shot. You have to take a risk. And it seems like this kid, you know, there's a reason why all clubs are in on this kid, because it seems like this is a can't miss product. But again, doesn't turn 18 until July of 2024. So you wonder, you know, you know, this timeline almost works out where if Barcelona don't use, don't spend that 60 million release clause and don't, and are in early negotiations now to do that in 2024, well, I mean, maybe that 60 million will be worth it then when Barcelona has been a financial spot. But, you know, it's just interesting to talk about because this is one of those for the yeah. future in the future, right? Like, obviously, it's not going to happen this summer, but it's for the future in the future. But again, it's just it's it doesn't sit well with me because he's 15 years old, even though he's just doing insane things at 15. Yeah, I mean, it's like a competition now, you know, who's first who, to get the Brazilian first. Who, and of course, you start looking at younger ages. And I mean, this happens. There's been this competition with Real Madrid, as you said, with Florentino Perez trying to uh, get the next Neymar after he lost uh, his chance to, to to sign him. But it is true that Barca has kind of had a kind of a love story, we could say, because I think the best or some of the best Brazilians have been through Barcelona, as you said, attacking players mostly. We've had lots of quality. And I think it's something that we're still going to see in the future because uh, also Brazilian players know that some of the best players of their country have gone to Barcelona. Mm -hmm. So they are obviously extremely attracted and they want to uh, recreate those paths that Ronaldinho took, that Neymar took, uh, that Rivaldo took, etc. You know, so all those phenomenal players see themselves uh, or reflect themselves upon the younger ones, you know, who want to uh, be like them. And it's also true that now we have Deco, who's also in charge of the Brazilian market uh, for Barcelona. He's currently um, not only representing players such as Rafinha himself, but he's also working for Barcelona, which some consider a bit of a conflict of interest. But I mean, uh, Laporta trusts that uh, Deco will do a good job for them because he knows the Brazilian market really well. So, I mean, uh, with him keeping an eye out, we can hopefully get some future talent. And Endrick has been one of the names that certainly everyone has been talking about now for a while. Um, it's funny because uh, there was an, an interview with him saying that uh, he loved Real Madrid and then a week after an interview with him saying he loved Barcelona. So in the end, he's kind of like selling himself already. Unfortunately, he's only 15 years old and he's already doing this. But I mean, you know, you want the attention, you want to, to attract the big clubs. And I mean, I haven't seen matches of Hendrik, but I've seen the typical YouTube highlights. I mean, he definitely looks very, very talented. It has to be said that uh, with that age to perform uh, that level is, is very impressive. 
But let's see how it goes because football is very tough psychologically. Mm-hmm. Uh, he might, you might have all the quality in the world, but after a few years, you can maybe start to feel the pressure and uh, fade away into uh, nothing. So, I mean, hopefully he'll keep up this level and hopefully Barca will uh, be really aware of what's going on with him and will be there before Real Madrid because uh, they will definitely try and get him if he's as good as, as they say. And there will be other clubs in Europe who also try to uh, get their part with Henrik. Yeah, I mean, he signed that contract, but again, he has yet to even debut for the first team. He's just training with a Palmeiras first team. So we are even mm-hmm. two years, we are maybe a few months away from him even debuting with his Brazilian club's first team. And, you know, as Palmeiras has showed us before with recently with Mateus Fernandez, that whether Brazilian does well over there, I mean, as you said, there's it's language, it's culture. There's a lot of different things can that can ruin a player's career at an early age, even injuries, onto. But you know, Barcelona, it's interesting too because we say he's 15 and he's super, super young. But Gabi was 16 and Pedri was 17 and Ansu was 16, right? So it's like age is more and more so in football. The way that footballers are being professionalized a little earlier, especially in, but yeah. more so in Europe that you're seeing that kids are 16, 17 mentally between the years, like they might already have it, like it might already be there. But, you know, Brazil, who knows, like mentally where those kids are at at 15, 16, exactly. 17 years old when they told them. Also, like the, the formation that they have at Barcelona, the academy, it's like they, they really work on the player in all the aspects. And I really doubt that they have this same formation we have here in La Masia that they do back there in Brazil. You know, I think it's a different way of life. It's a different way of, of growing up. Of course, they'll probably... Uh, improving and developing there but uh, it's really professional how we do things here and what you were saying about the age being maybe not as relevant now it also applies to the older players because now we're seeing the guys like Ronaldo, Lewandowski etc sure. still are performing to older ages so I think age is not as much as a factor as it used to be in football where you would say oh he's 30 years old he's getting old now some players have their uh, best moments of their career when they're in their early 30s you know so now it's something we have to keep in mind because uh, the body is how one takes care of himself how one really works in different aspects is really uh, changing the way that footballers develop from uh, from young and until they get old yeah i've spoken about it before even going back to the kubala diet right of the <laughs> back in the day of the <laughs> late 50s players can't survive in any level like if you, if you have the kubala diet you're playing in the conference league in the uk that's where you're at now because you go to the third division like yes he was insanely talented but you know those diets yeah. just don't work anymore you know and i could say you know being post 30 i feel 30 in some days but also you know i i speak to one of my best friends who goes to clemson university where not it goes to but he's like a one of them will say scientists you know sports scientists yeah. and just the technology that he'll tell me about or explain to me that's coming at the professional levels and the collegiate levels like the ones with you know a little bit of money here in the U.S. Mm-hmm. is just in- incredible, you know, back from when, even 10 years ago, when I, you know, in high school or the or youth levels, and they're like, hey, put a Band-Aid on it or do this or whatever, a little bit of ice, you know, and rest and yada, yada, yada. But now the what they have for, especially recovery, like what they have for recovery, you're right, Lewandowski is 20, he's what, 25, 26 years old in 1975. <laughs> like, that's basically what it is. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I don't think he's touched meat or alcohol in, <laughs> or, I mean, but we know that, yes, obviously, Bayern Munich during their parade celebrations, we've seen it, but I don't know. We're, we're off, we're off the rails, Ramon. So that means I think it's time sure, to wrap this. Sure. Yeah, yeah. So I think it's time to wrap this show up. Again, I want to remind people, The Next Great Brazilian, that was a YouTube clip I put on the site. But I think people after this conversation, Roman, are not only interested to hear from you on the show again, of course, but on where they can find your work currently. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm always collaborating with La Liga Lowdown, of course. So if uh, they follow us there on Twitter, uh, they'll have all, all our content. And if they want to follow me personally, I'm, my uh, handle is Aeroslave, A-E-R-O-S-L-A-V, and double E at the end. And there, obviously, I usually talk uh, about football and usually write in English, sometimes in Spanish. But uh, those are my 
our two main handles, we could say. Well, that's in the show notes below. So just check that out and you can find him there. I want to say that for those who watched the video here, I was wearing uh, our new Ola Coulee shirt inspired by Frances, <laughs> as well as uh, a new sweatshirt with the logo. So remember, we do have merch finally after five years. We finally did it. So that is the Barcelona <laughs> podcast uh, in Teespring. There's also a link down in the show notes below. And then we're on Twitter and Instagram as well at the Barcelona pod at D13 for me. Facebook group, that's the Barcelona Podcast. Patreon, that's the Barcelona Podcast. That's how we keep making these shows. And then YouTube, that's where you can find that video about the Brazilians, as well as the final match review. I'm actually not sure if I'm going to do it. We'll see. But uh, certainly, what I want to continue as we end this show to point people to is to the Women's Champions League final tomorrow. So that being today is Friday, tomorrow is Saturday. Watch the Champions League final, and I certainly will hope to talk about it at some point next week on the show, which is still a little bit in flux. We'll see what happens with that. So thanks so much, though, for listening to the Barcelona Podcast. Until next time, we'll talk to you soon. Force of Barcelona. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.